I know a couple of you did not. I've heard some of the stories. I slept all right. I typically don't sleep well if it's not my own bed anyway, but I am so excited to be back here this morning to continue pressing in to this theme, Women of the House. And such a sweet time of worship, too. Thanks, guys. I'm looking, where, where did they go? But thank you, ladies. There you are. So good. So good. I appreciate it. Uh, we're going to go ahead and just jump right in. Doing a time check, it's about 9.35 right now. I want to make the best possible use of our time that we have left together. If you remember last night, I did a character sketch of two women in Scripture, Deborah and Yael, or uh, most of the time you'll hear her name pronounced J.L. Deborah and J.L. And we talked about the fact that Deborah has lit a fire in our hearts. Deborah, the woman of torches, and Yael drove the point home that we don't need to be hiding out with our issues, our failures, our gifts, a lot of times Uh, We're tempted to hide out when we perceive that we have failed. But then there are also those of us who are hiding out with all the best and beautiful things that we have to offer. And I hope in our two sessions together this morning that I will be able somehow by the Holy Spirit to convince you what a tragedy that is. When we hide out with our gifts instead of bringing them and sharing them and blessing one another with the things that he's, he's given us to offer. You see my props up here. Each one of these is, they have one thing in common. And so if you want to be kind of looking at these and, and just guess, you know, maybe what All of these random things might have in common. There's jewelry. There's truffle oil. There's some candlesticks. You know, a faux sheepskin. So I'll just let you be, put that in the back of your mind and be wondering, what in the world this is? And then we'll we'll get to that in the next session. Judges 5, 7, there were only a few people left in the villages of Israel. Is there, are there lights up here that we could turn on? That would help me a little bit. Thank you. Women of a certain age. I've, I've got the bifocals on, but a little light would be helpful. Thank you. Thank you so much. There were a few people left in the villages of Israel until Deborah arose As a mother for Israel, Judges 5-7. We are in a day and a time in the church like no other. I want to read to you some statistics. 63% of high school and college age Christians don't believe that Jesus is the son of the one true God. Now, I had a hard time 
with with the fact that they're calling themselves Christians, but they don't believe Jesus is the son of the one true God. Sixty three percent, fifty one percent do not believe Jesus rose from the dead. Sixty eight percent do not believe that the Holy Spirit is a real entity. Only 33% of churched youth have said that the church will play a part in their lives once they leave home. And ladies, these aren't random statistics. This is Josh McDowell. Are any of you familiar with Josh McDowell? Josh McDowell, in his book, The Last Christian Generation. A LifeWay research study. Are any of you familiar with LifeWay? And we could go on and on. There are Barna research studies. When you get into this, just guard your heart. Number one, do not let these statistics discourage you. Rather, let them encourage you that we are in such a prime position to see a mighty <laughs> Big move of his spirit in our day. That's what we're asking for. Lifeway research study revealed of millennials ages 18 to 30, 70% will leave the faith in college. Only 35% will eventually return. Seven in ten Protestants ages 18 to 30, both evangelical and mainline, who went to church regularly as they were growing up, said that they quit attending by the age of about 23. 34% of those said they hadn't returned, even sporadically, by age 30. This means about one in four Protestant young people have left the church. The most frequent reason for leaving church is, in fact, a self-imposed change. I simply wanted a break. Don't you know, ladies, (laughs) we need women in the church who have a settling effect. We need God to raise up an army of women in the house who are able to settle some issues and some questions that the generation coming up behind us, questions and issues that they are racked with right now, burdened with right now. So against that backdrop and keeping these very real statistics in mind, now I'm going to push this over because now I keep thinking I need to get up in that. (laughs) I have muscle memory with that right now. (laughs) Against that backdrop and with those statistics, I want to tell you about a recent conversation I had. Very recent conversation. I was in another church, not my church, not Harvest Church, And as I chatted with an associate pastor's wife, she remarked to me and she said, you are so lucky to have your art. You are so lucky to have your art because it's something that you can pour yourself into that is out 
inside the church. You have something to focus on that is outside the church. This is an associate pastor's wife. She said, I am searching right now for something, for anything outside the church, an outlet. She said, because I can't do this whole mother of the church thing. And she even put it in air quotes. She said, I can't do this whole mother of the church thing anymore. And I have to tell you, that conversation took place only four months ago. Four months ago. And even though I hid my reaction from her, because I didn't want to add to her pain. She was obviously in some emotional pain. I didn't want to add to her discomfort. So I hid my reaction from her. I felt aghast just four months ago. I didn't understand it. I could not wrap my mind around how a mature, and this lady is mature, a mature, Jesus-loving woman could decide that she wanted nothing more to do with the whole mother of the church thing. Four months ago, her words sounded like a foreign language to me. Because the whole reason, you guys, and I want you to hear me on this, the whole reason that I pursued art and painting outside the church was to break through the over-familiarity that decades in ministry can bring to you when you're in the ministry. Decades of, of over-familiarity. I wanted to break out of that, and my heart was to develop a voice outside the church that... Women and young people inside the church could hear again. I wanted the next generation particularly to be able to lay eyes on me as obviously an older woman. I wanted them to be able to lay eyes on me in a different way, in a different role, so that I could bring my voice back into the church and hopefully... Hopefully, have something to say. So the whole reason, literally, the whole reason, when you see my paintings, when you maybe look at my website, my online shop, whatever, please keep in mind that, that my entire heart behind it was to develop that voice outside the church. And God has blessed it. I can't, I don't even know. You guys, I don't even know how it happened. There is no explaining it. I never picked up a paintbrush till I was in my mid-40s. Uh, the only reason I, I picked it up was to, to, to develop this voice, to be able to come back into the church and, and pour out to God's people. And also, I picked up a paintbrush because my heart was just broken. I was coping with this reality of prodigal children. And I, I thought that only happened to other people. Prodigals don't happen to people in the ministry, people who homeschooled. It's, that doesn't happen, right? So my longing was to be a Deborah, it was to be a mother in Israel. Well, in four short months, 
had that conversation four months ago. And four short months from then to this moment, I found out firsthand why this weary pastor's wife had come to her conclusion. I found out firsthand in that short amount of time. As I watched the behavior of some people in my generation, the generation that's lived and known and kind of came of age in the Jesus movement and in the charismatic renewal, all of that. As I watched their behavior become increasingly inconsistent and strange, This generation that has loved and served the church. And then the calendar struck 2018. And all this is so fresh. It is so fresh for me right now that I almost feel like I dare not be this vulnerable with you. But your word is transparent. So here I am. Very, very Suddenly, the whole landscape in my world and in my fellowship, in my spiritual house, has shifted. And I understand to my core where this pastor's wife, where her pain came from. Because I can't do the whole mother of the church thing anymore. But I want to qualify that. I'm going to let that just settle for a minute. Then I want to come back and say, I can't do the whole mother of the church thing alone (laughs) anymore. I can't do the whole mother of the church thing by myself anymore. The answer isn't for Kathy to spiritually mother people until she just can't do it anymore. The answer isn't for me to burn out. The answer isn't for any of you who are women in leadership to just do this mother of the church thing till your heart breaks and you can't do it anymore. The answer is for every woman in the church, in every generation, doesn't matter your age, to begin to rise up and mother others in the house. The answer is to raise up a company, an army of women in the church. Every single one of you, a Deborah, every single one of you, a mother in Israel, To nurture the health of your spiritual house. To fight for the strength of your spiritual house. And to have a voice in your spiritual house. But to do it together. Because because those statistics. Girls, they scare me. In the natural, they scare me. But when I look at them through spiritual eyes, again, I think we're being set up. I think we're being set up to see something even more amazing, 
even more supernatural than that Jesus movement in the 70s, than that charismatic renewal. How many of you were here for that? How many of you saw amazing things? Yes. Get ready. (laughs) Get ready. Very quickly, I want to go over four characteristics of a mother in the house. Number one, mothers bring comfort. And I know that last year, your, the theme of your conference here in 2017 was uh, preparing to deal with loss. Am I right? Um, mothers bring comfort. First Thessalonians 5.11 says, Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and build each other up. And then 1 Thessalonians 4.18, it says, Comfort one another with these words. We do not have to make it up as we go. As mothers in the house, one of our jobs is to bring comfort. We don't have to make it up as we go. We don't have to come up with a different script. We don't have to make up what it is to say in times of tremendous loss. We've been given words. We have been handed a script from not just anyone. We have been handed a script from the Holy Spirit. And here it is. And I want those of you who have experienced some loss. I know there's many of you here in Franklin. I want, to, I want you to let this wrap around you like a blanket this morning. I would not have you to be ignorant concerning those who are asleep. That you don't sorrow as those that have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so those who sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, which we, that we who are alive and remain when the Lord comes again, we're not going to go before those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain. Aren't those words interesting? Because you're going to hear that word remain again this morning. We who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Wrap your mind around that. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another, mamas, with these words. Mm. The second thing that mothers bring, mothers bring correction. Ladies, there's certain behavior that I actually find alarming. And it's not because I'm getting older. It's just there are some behaviors that are alarming. Behaviors like forsaking the assembling of yourselves. Behaviors like hiding Sisera in your tent. 
That's from last night. Hiding Sisera in your tent, not to kill him, but to have fellowship with him. Becoming on friendly terms with an enemy. Behaviors like taking a break from community. Remember the, the, the reason why these young people, their biggest reason for leaving the church was in fact a self-imposed change. I simply wanted a break. Where's that coming from? Where's that coming from? There are certain attitudes that I know, I know for a fact, you know for a fact, they're going to send people down the wrong road. And if I love you and if I really care, I need to speak up. I need to say something. When women become vulnerable, when women are struggling with an unwell soul, and please trust me, I have been there. It's kind of my personality, my DNA, if you will, to uh, wellness of soul is, is an ongoing maintenance issue for me. You could call it the artistic temperament. Maybe it's my Scottish DNA. We hate winter. <laughs> but keeping my soul well is is an important thing. Uh, when we begin struggling with that unwell soul, there are belief systems that can creep in and they present themselves as solutions, but they are in fact friendly enemies. They very quickly become entities that will drain your money, your focus, your time, they very quickly become winds of doctrine. Does anybody know? Can, are you making any connections right now? Very quickly become winds of doctrine. Can I encourage you to stay the course? Please, please, all of these young people, the generation coming up behind us, we need you to stay the course. Keep the main thing, the main thing. Keep the gospel, the gospel, because there's no other solution. There is no other name. No other solution for your peace, for your wellness of soul, for courage. For whatever it is you need, there is no other solution than is found in the gospel. The third thing that mothers create, the effect that mothers have in the house, mothers create atmosphere. And I think this is far more important than maybe we give it credit for. This is an area that's near and dear to my heart right now. It's an area that the Lord is, he has me under some healthy, holy conviction. Because this is an area that at one time was such a strength for me. But I've become weary in my own well-doing. 
There's that saying, how many of you have heard, if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. We women are kind of the thermostat in our physical houses, and we're the same in our spiritual houses. In our local churches, we can kind of set the warmth levels. Amen? We can create atmospheres of warmth and joy and hospitality. And that is why, going back to this issue of wellness of soul, that we have such a responsibility to the care and the nurture of our own well souls. So that there's something in the well that we can pull up and God can use us to create a much needed, much needed atmosphere. It is increasingly important in this day and age of social media and texting, and I, I love both. I utilize both. But there is a massive disconnect that can happen in a culture like ours that is so increasingly online and virtual that we can literally lose the ability to connect in person and to create that sense of belonging that everyone is so hungry to have and to create that sense of warmth and caring that ladies, mamas, young ones, we're meant to be good at that. We're wired to be really good at that. And and we're, we need it in our churches so badly, so badly to hug each other, to comfort one another with these words and to create atmospheres of light and life, joy. The fourth thing that mothers do is mothers communicate history. Mothers always save the pictures. Mothers tell the stories, don't they? Mothers preserve the heritage. This house, Franklin Covenant, again, I said this last night, but this house has such a long and beautiful story in this community of Franklin, North Carolina. It deserves to be celebrated. It deserves to be remembered every chance that you get. Because if you don't, hear me, if you don't, the next generation is going to have no sense of it. And that's a tragedy. And I know we've talked, I talked this morning with several of you. So many of you have prodigal sons and daughters. And if you're anything like me, you held your ground with them in grace and truth You went toe-to-toe with those prodigals, and you gave them something to rebel against. Years ago, years ago, decades ago, I heard James Dobson teach. And it was one of the best things I'd ever heard. And my kids were all babies then. Isn't it funny how the Holy Spirit will make certain things just stick in your mind? 
all my kids were just babies, but I heard James Dobson say that there are children who will at some point become prodigal sons and prodigal daughters. And he went so far as to say, there's nothing you can do to stop that. They're going to take that journey. And of course, when you raise them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord, when they're old, they won't depart from it. They will come back. But he, he basically said, parents, you can't necessarily stop that from happening. You cannot manage that outcome. And we mamas love to manage the outcome. He said, you can't manage that outcome. He said, but here's what you do. They're going to rebel, some of them, but give them something to rebel against. Don't back down. And so many of you, you gave those prodigal sons and daughters, you gave them something to rebel against, and you did well. But now I want to put the challenge out to you, particularly in this house, since this house is where we are today, is please don't forget the other side of the equation. You've got to give them something to come home to. There is a heritage in this place. Mamas, preserve the stories. Preserve the heritage. Because they are coming back. Keep setting the table. Keep fattening up those cows. So you can kill the fatted calf. Because I believe the day is coming and it is not very far in the future. That those of us who are looking and we're watching and we're waiting for the return of that prodigal, we're going to see him in the distance. And they really need a house to come home to. Amen. Just this morning, I heard a story. I heard Doc Makinson. How many of you remember Doc? The founding father, Franklin Covenant. Doc Makinson, in a prayer meeting, wrestled an ex-Marine who was having a flashback and ended up having to deck him. Ended up having to punch him out. (laughs) Those are great stories, you guys. You absolutely cannot let that one get lost in the history books. You've you've got to remember these things. I heard another story, and this was many, many, many years back, of uh, little kids in in the in the kids groups. You know how back in the day we we would all have the prayer meetings or or the house groups that turned into churches uh, later. And, and somebody would take the kids off to play. You know, somebody would take the kids off to play. Well, some of these kids, whoo, you know, just like today, it's a mixed bag where they're coming from. And, you know, these little bitty kids swearing like you could not believe. And, you know, the daddies who took the kids off to play are having to, uh, uh, <laughs> we can't use those words, okay? 
I have so many great stories that I could tell you about that. But I told one of them in the car this morning. I won't tell it here. You can ask me over lunch. It's a hilarious story. There are women who, as they age, they lose their heart for the house. And they develop this attitude of entitlement and they carry it right into every area of their lives. But they carry it into their church life. Others simply phase out. Maybe because they, I don't know, started a second career. I don't want to pick on any one thing, so we'll pick on something that doesn't exist anymore. Like a a fuller brush saleswoman. Way back in the 50s, there were fuller brushes. And, you know, you could go door to door and sell those things on commission. So maybe they, they... Developed a second career and and there's nothing wrong. Hear me. Nothing wrong. Lord knows I am working very hard to develop my art, but not so that I can phase out of being a woman of the house, but so that I can come back in with a fresh voice. It usually happens in midlife and later, just when a woman could be stepping up to the plate with so much to offer. Just then, we lose our atmosphere of eternity. We start living for ourselves. And we have to ask ourselves the difficult questions here. Why? Why does it happen. There are many, many reasons. Why scale back the passion for Jesus? Why leave behind the gospel for crying out loud? I'm really seeing women leave behind basic sound doctrine. And they're beginning to spout these weird winds of doctrine. It just blows my mind. Ladies, we cannot, we cannot let that happen to us. So as a resident older woman in the body of Christ, some of the work of modeling consistency falls to me, I guess. But I have to be honest, sometimes... That feels a little fraudulent to me because I am hurting as much as you are. I'm as tired as you are. I'm struggling just as hard as you are. I'm scrambling just like everybody else. And I have fears for the future just like everybody else. Because I have to tell you, the preacher and I have put all our eggs into this one basket called the church. And that's not a brag. Because trust me, trust me, we are living in a day and time where that is no longer respected. In fact, many consider us foolish for having done so. We put all our eggs in this one basket called the Bride of Christ, the Church of the Living God. 
But I can't just ride off into the sunset and sell my fuller brushes. Or in my case, I can't just ride off into the sunset and paint my pictures. Even though that would be way less stress, I'm just saying. (laughs) It would be easier. So much easier. Because that would be leaving the next generation to fend for themselves. We can't do it. So part of the reason I feel so passionate that the the job to be mothers in the house falls to each one of us. And again, it doesn't matter what generation you're from, how old you are, I'm passionate about it. Is the fact that older women, particularly by the scores, are phasing out of active church life. Another part of the reason I pick up that mantle, no matter how tired I am, no matter how scrambled I feel, I'm going to pick up that mantle, by golly. And I'm going to wear that thing is because the organized church has been critiqued beyond all reason in the last 10 years. Just criticized coming and going. Do you ladies understand how foolish the world out there thinks we are for doing what we are doing Right now. They don't think we need to gather. Not only do they not think it's important, they think it's a little bit silly. Many of them even believe that what we are doing right now is is doing more harm to the Christian faith then it is doing it good. They believe that church is best had, fellowship is best had in a Starbucks or in a gym or... Have any of you seen that? It's not just on the horizon. It's it's right here. It's all around us. And so... Every generation, male, female, young, old, doesn't matter, is dealing with the temptation to just fade away. But then another reason why I pick up the mantle and I, oh, I want you to do that too. (laughs) Oh, that's why I'm here. I want you to pick it up. Is because I believe with all my heart that I see a great awakening on the horizon. I believe the church really is going to come into her finest hour in the history of the church, that her people are going to be so richly rewarded with his presence. Her ministers are going to be richly rewarded by seeing the lost. I mean, we're going to see the fish jump in the boat. Our nets are going to break. Do you believe that? Will you believe that with me? Because I, we're getting a little into doctrine here, but I I believe that faith can hasten 
some things we can hasten the day. So God's heart is for a woman of any age, in any season, to come into this house and be welcomed in with such a warmth. And that she can look around, no matter her age, she can come in this house, she can look around and see many, many faithful women from which she can piece together a vision of herself. Herself as a mother. Herself as a single woman. That's a big one. Herself as a strong single woman. Herself as a businesswoman. A small business owner. Herself as a grandmother. Herself as a great-grandmother. Herself as a baker of the most amazing scones (laughs) that I have had. Herself as an artist. Herself as grieving. A very deep and profound loss. Herself as broken, herself as dealing with hot flashes, memory loss, I could really go on and on on that one. Herself as beautiful, herself as consistent. Mothers of the house don't have to be stay-at-home moms. Mothers of the house don't even have to have children to be a mother in the house. You don't have to be over 30 to be a mother in the house. You can be under 30. Mothers of the house don't have to be Wonder Woman. And they don't even have to have led an exemplary life. They just have to believe that Jesus paid it all. All to Him I owe. They just have to love Jesus with a passion. And they have to love His house with a passion. That's all the qualification that you need to be a mother in the house. And the house needs you to be. We need lots of women who are good at remaining. We who are alive and remain will be caught up together in the air, in the clouds. And forever we'll be with the Lord. We need women who are physically, and I can't believe, I can't believe that I actually do need to say this. Ten years ago, I wouldn't have expected to need to trumpet this message, but I do. We need women who are all in, who are here physically. 
We just need you literally, physically show up, maybe even on time. (laughs) Good at physically remaining, emotionally remaining. That's a difficult one. Because we're just so tempted to hide out instead of hide in. To remain emotionally engaged. Spiritually engaged. So I am putting it out there this morning. I'm putting the call. Women. Put your skin back in the game. (laughs) Because this kingdom of God is worth your everything. The things that God has on the horizon for us is worth our everything. And we're going to go to a break now, but I just want to seal this with a a two-minute prayer, if you'll join with me. Oh, Papa. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, seal these words. Just like the words I heard decades ago as a young mama. I heard those words, give them something to rebel against. (laughs) And I remembered so many years later and I was able to run in the strength of those words. Father, I ask that you would seal these words this morning in the hearts and minds of your daughters. That, Lord, they would be called to remembrance at crucial turning points in our story. Lord, those plot twists as they come up. Lord, as the story of this house and other houses represented here are still being told. But, Lord, when the times get difficult, when there's the temptation to fade away, when there's the temptation to hide out, when there's a temptation to hide Sisera in our tent, to, to just begin to trust in things other than the Lord. I pray that you would bring these words back to our remembrance and call us back into the house, Lord, to be physically, emotionally, and spiritually engaged because this generation needs that. We are needed. We are needed. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. All right.